0: Get ready to grip it and rip it.
1: All right, let's move on. We got golfers waiting.
0: Dedicated
2: to bringing better golf to America, this is Tea to Green, the golf
3: show.
4: That's right, golf is the language spoken here every Sunday on Tea to Green, the golf show from Colorado Springs, Colorado and the fabulous five-star Broadmoor Resort, home of the 2018 U.S. Senior Open and the longtime home of T. to Green. Happy New Year, and thank you for joining us, Jay Ritchie and Jerry Butenov, celebrating 10 years of tea to Green from right here at the Broadmoor, and we are doing it in style today with some of our best friends, some people we enjoyed talking to and visiting with over the past 10 years. January 2006 was our first show here at the Broadmoor from that same year. David Faraday, a little bit from him. We've got an interview. We'll play some of that for you from him today. Also uh, from uh, 2009, singer-songwriter Amy Grant told us a wonderful story back in 2009 when we talked to her. We'll hear that today, along with Nancy Lopez talking about her biggest influence in golf just happened to be her dad. We'll also hear from Dan Rooney, Major Dan Rooney, the founder of Patriot Golf and the Folds of Honor Foundation which raises funds to help members of our fallen servicemen and service women. We got a couple of fun ones for you too, more fun than usual from Ryan Gibson, Mr. 55. He's a guy who shot 55 at a golf tournament a few years back in Oklahoma and remember Jason Hargett from Utah he got a hole-in-one worth a million dollars. And he told us all about it one day in the last ten years here on T Degree. It's early Sunday morning. The sun is coming up. I'm on the tee at 7. I'm here to try my luck. They say this game's a tough one, but I'll give it my best shot. Though the bunkers look like beaches and the greens like
5: parking lots. Oh, Lord.
4: What am
6: I gonna do? Help me keep my head down. Save me from those double
4: bogey blues. If you miss something from today's show or any future shows or past shows, find it at I Radio talk Tita Green, now on slash talk. Jay and Jerry teeing it up in our 10-year retrospective, our anniversary show. It's next worldwide on American Forces Radio and coast-to-coast on the
0: Sports Byline USA Radio Network. The new year means incredible new deals at
7: Lumber Liquidators. And that means huge savings on the gorgeous hardwood floor you've always wanted. Choose from more than 400 top quality floors and the latest styles, like the classic look of oak. This week, get pre-finished oak from just 99 cents. That's 50% off. Or get the hottest looks in whitewashed flooring. Our new Aspen Breeze White Oak Laminate is now an unbeatable 189. For a limited time, get 20% off beautiful wood-look tile packages. Great deals on all engineered hardwood and more from just 59 cents. Plus, get special financing. These deals won't last. Visit LumberLiquidators.com to find a store near you. Hi, this is Rick Haro. Join me for Beyond the Scoreboard Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. right here on Sports Byline. We go inside the biggest deals in sports with the biggest names in the industry in sports news, business, law, marketing, politics, and deal-making debuting on January 16. That's Beyond the Scoreboard January 16 at 7 a.m. right here on Sports Byline.
4: Destination listening for dedicated golfers, your top source for golf news and entertainment on the radio. Now entering our 11th year, it's T-Degree in the Golf Show, 11 years here at the Broadmoor, Jay Ritchie, along with Jerry Boutenhoff. Thank you for joining us on a cold, cold day here in Colorado Springs. Perfect football weather, though, in Minnesota, I guess, today, huh?
8: High between 1 and 6, apparently. (laughs) Wind chills in the minus 10 range or something like that? Yep. The good old days. Yes. Although they've been such a soft team since they moved into their dome. Um, I don't know that this is much of an advantage. I mean, they've been outside for a couple years now while the new stadium is going up. But I decked out in my purple today. I see it. Socks included. Oh, I didn't see Oh, yeah. Socks. Yes. Found some purple socks at the store oh, a couple too bad weeks we're not ago. on TV. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by Hey, the way, we look just as good as uh, Dan Patrick or Colin Coward when they're doing their radio yeah. shows on television. Good to so. see. You. It's been a while. Happy New Year to you. Likewise, likewise. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we'd have done a live show two weeks ago, I. would have been a no-show because I was so sick starting Christmas Day oh. that uh, it wouldn't have been good. No. Sorry to
4: hear that. So oh. we're
8: uh, all better now.
4: Glad you're doing better now. Yes. We've we got to get right to our show because we got a really cool show today for the folks. You know, it was January of 2006 when we did our very first show. We rebooted Tita Green. It was on hiatus for about four years. We started it back up. We came to the Broadmoor, did our first show here in January 2006. So it has been 10 years, something like 500 shows, right over 500 shows over those 10 years. And it was kind of tough. But we went back through and pulled out some of the more fun, uh, interesting, and uh, just great interviews that we've had over the years. Missed a lot, but we only had so much time. So uh, we're going to play some of those back for you today, and we'll get right to it. Our first one that we found was uh, from 2006, a few months after we restarted the show. We had a chance to talk to none other than David who was working then for CBS. He was relatively new in his career, and he talked to us about his on-course golf reporting job. In terms of my job, you know, I don't have to sit up in a tower. I'm an outside pet. They just let me roam. I have a very
9: short attention span. And really, to be honest with you, you, all I do is I look at what's happening in front of me, and I try to describe it as best I can for the viewer. I've got a lot of information from caddies and uh, from the players themselves. So my job really is not difficult at all. The only difficult part of it is, is trying to walk that fine line between being a reliable source of information and, you know, not getting so close to the players where I get in their well. It's common now for someone to go from the course into the broadcast booth. When you did it, it wasn't that common. When you were playing, did you ever envision... Yourself with a broadcasting golf broadcasting career. Yes, I did. You did. In fact, when I turned pro, I was 17 years old, a five handicap, and I knew, I knew that uh, you know I wasn't going to be doing this for the rest of my life. I didn't think I'd be playing golf past the the age of 40. To be honest, I was 37 when uh, when they offered me the job, and I was just the right illegal immigrant in the right bar at the right time when Van Wright got fired. Um, you know, I, I just. Uh, w- was in that place and willing to do that. And uh, a job like that doesn't come around very often in sports. So uh, even though I was uh, still playing fairly well, this, this is what I wanted to do,
5: and I, and I jumped at it.
4: David Faraday jumped at the opportunity, and it was kind of surprising when he said he he thought about, uh, when he was playing, he thought about someday having a career in broadcasting. Most of those athletes that turn broadcasters don't think about that.
8: And only David Faraday would research. Refer to himself as an illegal immigrant. Yeah, a little bit of uh, political <laughs> yeah, in, incorrectness in, there. in in getting that job and and uh, referring back to the uh, uh, unfortunate Ben Wright situation with CBS, but uh, he is certainly uh, he is a breath of fresh air out there on on the golf course and and uh, and his interview show on the Golf Channel for those people that have never watched any of those, uh, some of them are just fabulous. Yeah, lots
4: and, of fun. And uh,
8: you know he goes outside the golf world. To talk to people too, but you know, ties.
4: And of course, he's not at CBS
8: anymore now. Yeah, just sort of more of a freelance guy.
4: Kind of like us. Yeah, kind of like us. But uh, that was David Faraday from May of 2006. In uh, August of 2009, Jerry and I were in Aspen for the Vince Gill, Amy Grant Celebrity Golf Classic. It's a kind of an annual event that those two wonderful people put on with all the proceeds going to help our military as well.
8: To challenge Aspen Foundation, exactly. Yeah, which,
4: handicapped uh, and...
8: Yeah. Uh, both mentally and physically handicapped, getting those people into some sort of outdoor activity is what and their goal is.
4: One of our f- most fun moments of doing this show was sitting down at a table in a tent at the Aspen Golf Course across from... Amy Grant, who's just a wonderful lady, besides being easy on the eyes and wonderful personality. And uh, she's a singer-songwriter in her own right. And we asked her, where does she get her inspiration? And she told us just a great story.
10: I was talking to a songwriter uh, that performed with us last night, Leslie Satcher, and I was telling her about a bike ride that I went on in Oklahoma City. I was just going from my mother-in-law's house to my nephew's house. And my mother-in-law said, now, you're going to take a, a turn around a cafe called Ingrid's. And this was 1 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. And she said they have big band dancing in there for the seniors. Well, I'm rounding the corner around this cafe about four miles into my ride, and I hear this music coming through the walls. And I said, okay, I've just got to peek in. And I go in, and it's a huge cafe filled to the brim. And I, I watch one dance. The dance floor is packed. the great band. Everybody's older. And I'm clapping. I'm just so, it's just such a, not a picture you are, think you're going to find on a Saturday afternoon. On the outskirts of Oklahoma. Anyway, this gentleman came up to me and he was quite a bit older and he said, You look like you want to dance. <laughs> and I said, Well, as a matter of fact, I do. I'm kind of sweaty and I've had my hair in a bike helmet. And he said, I don't care. And I said, Well, what's your name? And he said, I'm what's left of Bob. <laughs> And I thought, this will find its way into a song. He was a World War II pilot. We danced four dances, and then I went on, on my way. I'm What's Left of Bob. Great story from Amy Grant.
8: And we have told that story, both you and I, to just friends that we stumble into, either on the golf course or in life and everything. Um, being a songwriter myself, I have told that story to some of my other Songwriting friends uh, in our groups here in town and stuff like that. Yeah, just, uh, just a very funny, very cool story that she threw in there um, uh, that day, uh, which was. She didn't. Uh, that was the year we've been up to that event a few times. That was the year that she didn't play. She was just sort of That's hanging right. around. Yeah. And so she had some extra time with us, and we got to speak with her for quite a long time, and it was just a wonderful afternoon. Yeah, her. I wish we
4: had time to just play the entire interview because it was great. But we did play uh, pretty much all of that interview one time a couple of years later because uh, we just thought it was such a fun interview, one of the better ones we've done, and we figured people who missed it the first time around may appreciate uh, hearing it, or those who caught it the first time around may like hearing it again.
8: I wonder if anybody else in that age group has referred to themselves as something I'm what's left of you know fill in the to, blank. Yeah.
4: I felt that way sometimes <laughs> I feel that way. Say, I don't know yeah. how many people admit it all the time. But, uh, Amy Grant of course married to Vince Gill and last week on our show we uh, looked back on some of the best of 2015, and we played a portion of the Vince Gill interview we did back in August of last year. A couple of great people we've had them on a couple of times now, and we hope we can get them back again sometime real soon. Vince Gill and Amy Grant, helping to make part of our 10-year retrospective here on T to Green. In our next segment, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to talk. We're going to hear from a couple of people who. Uh, We had a chance to track down not everyday names, but somebody uh, who had their 15 minutes of fame, I guess you might
8: say, over the last 10 years. I was going to say not everyday names and not everyday accomplishments either. Yeah. uh, yeah, A couple of neat little things coming up in the next uh, segment here. Yeah.
4: A guy from Utah who got a hole-in-one at one of those tournaments, and it paid off big for him. It was a million-dollar hole-in-one, and we'll hear that story from Jason Hargett, and also uh, Mr. 55 will be joining us, Ryan Gibson, who is from Australia but plays golf in the Midwest, mostly in o- the Oklahoma, uh, state
0: of
8: Oklahoma, and he was uh, playing a mini-tour event, and he shot a 55 for 18 holes. He actually has had some pretty good results in some of the Australian major tournaments in the past couple of years. He's put up some good rounds and has had a, I believe, a couple of top uh, ten finishes in like the Australian Masters and PGA and stuff down there. So. The
4: other, the other neat thing about both of these guys, when I when we got them on the show, they were excited to talk to us <laughs> and tell us <laughs> who their, wouldn't and be and tell us their story. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of times you call people in in, in this kind of in that situation and they're a little reluctant to go public or talk on the radio or go on TV but not these guys and they gave us some great interviews we'll hear those and a whole lot more still to come today as we are looking back on 10 years of T to Green broadcasting here at the Broadmoor Jay Ritchie Jerry Butanoff, our producer is Scott Cuddy at Master Control he's responsible for pushing all the right buttons and all the right audio headed your way today be right back
7: Health Markets Insurance Agency is the DBA or assumed name of Insphere Insurance Solutions, Inc., which is a licensed insurance agency in all 50 states and D.C. Not all agents are licensed to sell all products, service availability varies by state. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? But you don't know what to do next.
4: America's longest-running network radio golf show. It's Tee to Green. We're celebrating 10 years of broadcasting in our. Home here at the Broadmoor Resort in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We started in January of 2006, broadcasting right here at the Broadmoor. Jay Ritchie, along with Jerry Butenoff, that's some something like 500 shows ago, and we went through those shows and pulled out some of the better. Interviews some of the more fun people, some of the more big names that we talked to in the last ten years too, and we're playing some of those back for you on a special ten-year anniversary show today. And we, as we advertised, we we had a chance to talk to a guy who shot 55 in a mini tour golf tournament uh, back in around 2010. Ryan Gibson, an Australian who plays golf, uh, played golf in Oklahoma, uh, shot 55 on a course in Oklahoma. And it uh, got me thinking, how do you, when a guy shoots 55, maybe he ought to be on a golf show to tell us how he did it. And so here's Ryan Gibson.
11: Uh, well, I got the number one tee, and it's somewhat of an intimidating tee shot. Um, so I was a little bit nervous because we had to wait for a group on the tee box. Um, so I made, a, I made a good par there and a good par on two, and, and I knew I had some birdie holes coming in um, and some holes that I normally play really well out there. So I just kind of... Had had some good thoughts going through my head, and and told myself, let's just give myself a chance or a birdie look at, at every hole, and uh, that's what I kind of did, and, and the putts went in. And you
4: know the course, you played it a lot, haven't you?
11: Uh, yeah, that's where uh, that was one of my home home courses for uh, my college team at Oklahoma Christian. Um, so I still play out there quite a bit.
8: Ryan, you parred the uh, the par five six. Did you feel like you gave one away there?
11: Oh, I definitely <laughs> did. That was probably. Uh, if you could ever say you had a bad break shooting a fifty-five, that would probably be the hole. Um, <laughs> I hit a really good tee shot and had about two two twenty in. I had four iron, and I actually had a mud ball because um, it, it had rained all day the day, day prior. And we weren't even going to play. Actually, uh, I actually had to send a text message to, to see if we're still playing. Um, but I had a mud ball in this ball. Hit a four iron. It just went straight right, and it looked like it may have gone out of bounds. And luckily, I got up there, and it, and it was still in, uh, and made a. Made a good five, but definitely felt like I gave one back.
4: You had a couple of playing partners that day what What was uh, their reaction and what were what were they doing and thinking during the round?
11: Um, they started off kind of kind of talking to me and, and uh, just like a normal round and then after a while, things just kind of got quiet uh,
10: <laughs>
11: I, I think they had a feeling that they didn't want to jinx what was happening to be honest, and uh, I, I think I heard more cell phones text messages and and Twitter messages going on than what I heard out of them because they were updating a bunch of our friends and on Twitter and stuff. They are updating how I was playing hole by hole. Um, So, yeah, like so after a while they just kind of got
5: quiet.
4: And that's one of the better parts of the story, the reaction of the guys who were playing with him that round. 17 under par is what he was that day. He had 12 birdies, three eagles, and one bogey along the way and finished 17 under par shooting a 55
8: yeah <laughs> um let's see how many holes does it take us to get to 55 well i've shot somewhere st- between nine and twelve i guess I shot 50, <laughs> 55 saying. a lot for nine holes <laughs> well yeah that's what i'm yeah. saying and, yeah. he
4: was 10 under on on the front nine and i guess what uh, seven under on the something like on that, the back Yeah, they are incredible round for mr 55 Ryan gibson and speaking of reactions Uh, We mentioned the reaction of the guys who were playing with him that day. Reactions were a big part of the interview we did with Jason Hargit. He was playing in a golf tournament in Heber City, Utah. And uh, at the end of the tournament, they had everybody take a crack, or they had a lot of people take a crack at a million dollars to make a hole-in-one. And, uh, well, Jason actually made the hole-in-one and won a million dollars. And he's another guy. I finally tracked him down. He was working at the Ruby River
8: Steakhouse in Provo, Utah. And I don't know if he's still working there or not after winning the million dollars. A place that I went and visited the last time I was in that area based on his uh, suggestion, yes. And you he, had a
4: chance to meet him, didn't
8: you? Ah. Uh... No, he but wasn't there uh, that day? Uh, I asked about him, but um, yeah, he was off that day.
4: He was off that yeah. day. But uh, a- anyway, he goes from working at the Ruby River Steakhouse to winning a million bucks by making a hole-in-one. And here's Jason Hargett. probably saw this video. It was replayed on television endlessly. Over a million hits on YouTube. Over a million folks have tuned into YouTube. It happened in Utah, Heber City, Utah, at the Red Ledges Golf Course during the Mark Eaton Charity Classic. And the guy who scored the hole-in-one is with us today on Tee to Green. We welcome Jason Hargett. Jason, how you doing?
5: Hey, what's up, guys? How are you guys? Well, how are
4: you, I guess is the question.
5: Uh, doing good. It's been, uh, it's been a busy few weeks, but it's been great.
4: It was a Mark Eaton Charity Classic, and you weren't even going to play in that, were you?
5: No, I was uh, I was kind of a fill-in. I got a call about an hour and a half before the tournament started, and uh, I, I live an hour away from the where it was at. So when my buddy called, I, I turned him down, and and then uh, about 15 minutes later I decided, well, maybe I will go try and play. And so I called him back and ended up showing up about five minutes before the tournament started.
4: So what kind of a golfer are you? How would you describe your game?
5: Uh, I'm a plus-one handicap.
4: Oh, okay. I saw the swing on YouTube, it looked pretty good.
5: Yeah, I play I play in a lot of local tournaments in the Utah State Amateur I always play in and I've made match play quite a few times in that, so you know, but you never gosh, I mean it's something like that, I mean you never expect you know, no matter how good you are, I mean you never expect to make something like that.
8: Jason, had you played that course before?
5: You know, I hadn't, and that's that's really the main reason why I ended up going to play that because it's it's a private course, that, you know. Jack Nicholas designed, and it just barely opened in July. That point in the morning, I didn't have any idea there was, you know, going to be some shootout for a, or a possibility for a shootout for a million dollars.
4: It was about 150 yards, a par three. Was it a hole that everybody got to play for the million bucks, or did you have to ante up a little oh, extra when you when you got yeah, to the hole? Yeah, what
5: it was was out on the course during the 18 holes. um... They had a, a part three out there. The closest five people had a chance to do that The part three after the tournament was over. And that was actually about two hours after the tournament was over when that happened. And, you know, Mark, even he just wanted to kind of, you know, set it up as big of a stage as he could. He wanted everyone from the tournament to be there. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was something.
4: You were one of five golfers that day then that got a crack at the million bucks?
5: Yeah, and I was, they they drew out names who went first, and I was the second one to go, and so unfortunately the ones behind me didn't did have a shot at it.
4: Not, <laughs> that's almost rude, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Come I on, Jason. On
5: <laughs> now, were you a little stiff
8: after a two-hour wait, or did you take a couple swings, or, or how do you approach that?
5: Then? You know, and, and you know that's the, the whole weird weird thing about this. I mean, I, and I don't know why. I mean, but I, I took zero practice swings and. And about 15 minutes before that, I mean, it was really windy and it was raining and everyone had their rain gear on. And then about, you know, five minutes before, you know, the sun came out, the wind, wind uh, died down, and I took out the rain gear just probably two minutes before I hit the shot.
4: Yeah. What did you use? What club?
5: I hit a 9-iron.
4: And it looked to me on the video, it looked like it backed up. You hit it past the hole and it backed up and went in?
5: Yeah, it backed up oh, 12, 13 feet. And you know what you can't—it's hard to see on TV—but the the green or the uh, the shot was extremely uphill, and the green was extremely slow from back to front. So it's you know it's kind of one of those makeshift greens that they made out on the range, and it, it's interesting because we uh, we went up there a few days later to meet with the insurance people because they had to do their inspections, right? And we we sat where. The ball started spinning back. We rolled probably 25 balls just by hand, and we could not roll on him.
4: <laughs> well, that's bizarre. Who did you know? Who was it that tackled you when you were running toward you know, the
5: hole? That was Robbie Bosco. He was the quarterback of the 1984 BOU uh, National Championship team.
4: Yeah, that's a the,
5: the one that called me as well.
4: You guys go back a few years?
5: We played golf probably the last 10 years or so.
4: Did it look when you hit it? Did it look like it had a chance of going in at first to you, or was it a complete surprise? yeah,
5: you know right after I hit it, you know i I was thinking you know that 's about as good as I could hit, it. and it was just a little bit you know it was about ten feet right, and just fortunately it had you know I played a little bit of a draw, so when it started spinning back, it you know started spinning back diagonally as well so but again, I mean after you hit it i mean it, i mean you don 't really ever expect. To go in and when that disappeared, it was just the most unbelievable feeling in my life.
4: You never think of hitting a golf ball could change your life, but there's proof it can right there.
8: I don't know if Bosco ever had to make a tackle in his <laughs> collegiate career, but he made a pretty good tackle running down the driving range after that. Uh, if anyone's ever uh, seen that video of what happened that day, it's it's pretty funny and pretty entertaining.
4: The story of Jason Hargett from Utah who won a million dollars, 25000 a year for the rest of his life. Uh, for making a hole-in-one in a charity golf tournament their Mark Eaton Golf Tournament. Eaton used to play in the NBA for the Utah Jazz. And it's fun to get, you know, it's fun when you get big names, celebrity golfers and people like that, but it's also fun to hear from people like Jason uh,
8: Hargett, who did something in golf that is pretty hard to do. I think some of our better moments in the show have been with people like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the years that I watched Johnny Carson, some of my favorite interviews were the ones that he did with people that no one knew about.
4: Exactly. Perfect. Yeah, good Good description of that. In our next segment, we've got Nancy Lopez. We've heard of her. And uh, Major Dan Rooney as well, the founder of Patriot Golf Day. He'll tell the story, a moving story, why he decided to start Patriot. How long would you wait for your shower to get hot? How long would you
6: wait for your cell phone to fully charge? How long would you wait to get relief from your nasal congestion? If you're congested now and you want powerful relief now, use Afrin No-Drip. Afrin starts working in seconds and keeps working for 12 hours. So, why wait when you can start to get relief in seconds with Afrin? Afrin, powerful congestion relief without the wait. Use as directed. For more information, go to
3: afrin.com.
1: You can qualify for a back or knee brace or a shoulder brace for little or no charge. Anything to help me with the pain, hey, makes it more manageable, gets my attention, folks. I love the free delivery and they take care of the paperwork for you. So if you have Medicare and need help for your back, ankle, knee, or shoulder, guess what? Give the Health Alert Hotline a call toll-free, 1-800- 428-1570 1-800-428-1570 428-1570 1-800-428-1570 You can qualify for a back or knee brace or a shoulder brace for little or no charge 1-800-428-1570 The Health Alert Hotline 1-800-428-1570
4: Show by golfers for golfers. It's Tee to Green, the golf show. Jay Ritchie, Jerry Butenoff. No golf tips today, as we are taking a look back at the last 10 years of Tee to Green since we started doing the show here at the Broadmoor in January of 2006. Our 10-year retrospective continues right now. It was in uh, summer of 2010, Jerry, when I got a call from one of the people who sometimes lines up guests for us, and she said, how would you like to talk to Nancy Lopez? And I'm like, "Uh, well, let me think about that.
8: Yes. We said okay to that one. (laughs) Yes, we did. Yeah.
4: And so we got Nancy Lopez. We actually did a really long, wonderful interview with her that we pre-recorded, and it was long enough that we carried it over for two shows. We played half of it on one show, and then the following Sunday played the other half of it, and went back and listened to it the other day when I was looking for material for this show today, and found an interesting segment when we started talking to her about her early career and her influence, her top influence in her golf career
8: when you started though either at that time or looking back on it now were did you were you really surprised at how fast you flew out of the gate there
12: um yes i was cuz i know really my first goal that first year as a rookie was to win one tournament and I guess once you win your first tournament as a professional, it kind of just opens the floodgates a little bit because you, you know you're climbing this hill and you're wondering if you can get to the top. And once you win a tournament, it's kind of like downhill from there in a positive way. It seemed easier <clears throat> when um, when I went after I won that first tournament. But it's, it's more you know when you first turn professional, you wonder can I win an LPGA event? Will I ever win? And like I said, when you do finally win one, you're like, wow, it can happen. So it, d- it does open the doors for you.
4: Was your dad the main guy, the, the biggest influence, the key guy in your life?
12: Definitely. My dad was um, my best friend and just such a great golf, um, a go- good golf uh, teacher in the mental aspect. He, he basically, when I started playing golf, he gave me a golf club. didn't give me any lessons. just said, Nancy, every time you swing at it, hit it. Just make sure you make contact with that ball. And that's basically what I did. And, you know, I had a very different type swing. I had, and at that time, a really strange grip at at a young age because Dad just gave me the club and told me to swing it. And that's basically what I did. And as I grew with him and played a lot of golf with him, I loved the game. And he was always my supporter, very positive, never... A negative uh, came out of his mouth I mean it was all positive and you know when I didn't play good like a lot of parents do nowadays they pretty much get mad at you and don't let you enjoy you know your young life but my dad was um, the type father that when I played poorly he always had a hug for me and he just you know he, he knew I wasn't trying to play poorly he knew I was trying to play well and he would always have that hug for me and and I of course always said, well, Dad, I just want to get better. And he said, well, we'll just have to work a little harder. And that's the kind of support that he always gave me. So I think because I was successful, is because of my dad, uh, because of the attitude he gave me when I was on the golf course. There wasn't going to be a time where I was down on myself. I was always going to you know know that there was something brighter at the end of the next shot. And he just made me always think that way.
4: All-time LPGA great Nancy Lopez on tee to Green today. Every time you swing at it, hit it, Nancy, that, that just sounds so simple, but yet when you think about it, what a great piece of advice.
12: Well, it really was. And at that young of an age, I was eight years old when I started playing, it really, you know, now when I look back, it made sense, you know, just swing at it. he was trying to create muscle memory or, you know, uh, some coordination there with hitting the golf ball with the, with the golf club and just making it very simple.
8: A little different teaching technique than we hear about nowadays isn't it <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: Well, definitely yeah. yeah for sure with the supination and the pronation and the can oh, yeah. not even <laughs> pronounce those things and all that great crazy stuff so uh, your first year what was it like was it just after you won and won and won and won were you kind of caught up in sort of a whirlwind at
5: that point
12: uh, definitely i know i know when i was just started and of course, like I said, trying to win my first tournament and then I started winning, it was incredible. I mean, the, the whole golf world started watching what I was doing and of course I was making money. I was treated like royalty pretty much, um, you know, given, given so many things at that time, um, you know, little perks that you just never thought about when you were playing golf, um, limousines picking me up, uh, private air travel when I did outings and stuff like that. When you know when it started up, I was doing every outing I could do on Monday to to make $500. I could support myself because my dad wanted to sponsor me, and I of course, a dad, he did so much for me as as an amateur, and it's time for you to not have to pay my bills anymore. So I pretty much went out there cold turkey that I was going to have to make my own living and <clears throat> and not have my dad have to pay for that. So I was you know doing as many outings as I could, but once I started winning. And as I won, you know, three, four, five in a row, my my price went up.
10: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, sure. <laughs>
12: so that that was kind of fun because then it was like my, my manager would tell me, well, you're not playing for $500 anymore. You're playing for this much. And I was like, are they crazy? <laughs> They're going to pay me all that money just to play golf. Yeah. So it was just, it was a really a great experience and, um, a great time for me and and i you know at that time a lot of my fans kind of developed and um and i loved my fans i mean i still do they're still there even though i'm not playing full-time or playing very much i get a lot of fan mail and a lot of support from them and encouragement and you know it's just kind of nice they're like my family too but all my all my fans have followed me all these years
4: fun hearing that interview again there with nancy lopez our next interview segment as we look back on 10 years of Tea to Green here at the Broadmoor maybe the closest that I ever came to breaking down and losing it on the air was when we had Dan Rooney on one day he started out as captain Dan Rooney and he joined us in 2007 to tell us about a brand new idea he had to raise money for the uh, families uh, of fallen our fallen men and uh, service men and service women uh, he we came back a few years later as Major Dan Rooney and he told us how the idea for Patriot Golf and the Folds of Honor Foundation
8: began.
2: I'm an F-16 pilot. I've done three tours of duty in Iraq and and also a PGA golf professional, and my dad taught me at a very young age on a golf course growing up in Stillwater, Oklahoma, to to follow your passions uh, in life, and uh, I think I've, I've done that, and uh, you know, it was during 2005, uh, Iraq was a very different place than it is now, it's 2005, we were losing guys, I mean, literally daily, and uh, having people severely wounded every day, and um, I uh, felt a real calling to reach out to the families who were being left behind and it wasn't until I was on a commercial airline flight um, from Chicago Air to Grand Rapids, Michigan that uh, that my life's mission was really set in motion and uh, uh, as I got on that flight, it was a dark, delayed night it was June 6th of 2006, actually, um, in Chicago, here and got on United Flight 664 that evening and as I walked through first class, I noticed there was a young man and dress army greens and i uh, didn't think much of it other than probably somebody swap seats with him and went back to my coach seat and as we landed in grand rapids uh, michigan a little after midnight uh, and pulled into the gate the captain came over the p a and said that uh, we had an american hero on board and we were carrying the remains of corporal brock buckland uh, who had been killed in iraq and his twin brother corporal brad buckland was in first class and had brought him home and uh... So obviously, for me, the war has followed me home at this point, where I thought I'd left it in Iraq. And uh, the captain makes another request that evening that everybody stay in their seats to honor the sacrifice that this young man had made for our country. And uh, I sat in seat 24A that night and, and watched the Bucklands on the darkest night of their lives as they welcomed uh, uh, their son, their brother, uh, their father. His four-year-old son was out there on the tarmac home for the for the final time, and. Obviously, a whole lot of emotions uh, welled up in, inside of me, and uh, as I watched this uh, progression, as, as I turned back um, to the plane, I was as shocked as I'd ever been in my life to see that more than half the people had boarded the plane that night. And uh, if I really had to trace it back, it was probably that you know that sheer anger and disappointment that I felt. Uh, But at that moment, I knew I'd been given a mission in my life, and uh, it was to help that family I'd seen that evening and and also help the people that uh, just don't understand what what freedom is really about uh, and the sacrifices that are made uh, each and every day. Um, And so uh, from that point, uh, Patriot Golf Day was born.
4: He's Dan Rooney, the creator of Patriot Golf Day and the Folds of Honor Foundation. Dan, obviously, you felt that that, that was your life mission and you knew you were on to something. And, and initially, you had some success with it. But did you, in your wildest dreams, envision that it would grow to be what it is today?
2: No, you know, I I didn't, but I'll tell you, I felt a higher force uh, at power uh, the last four years of my life. That uh, I'm clearly not the pilot in command of this airplane, and, um, you know, call it chance, call it coincidence, uh, I prefer to to believe in in something else, but... uh, you know, and I always knew in my heart that there were so many great patriots lying latent across this country, and the benevolent nature of the game of golf. Um, combining that with with the military, um, and our great partners, obviously the PGA of America, the USGA, American Express, and. Uh, tidalists and a host of other people that, that got behind what really is a very small seed that I planted uh, that millions of people have cultivated uh, since that fateful night.
4: 2007, the first year of Patriot Golf, they raised about a million dollars for families of our fallen servicemen and women. Last year, Jerry, they raised like $8 million, and it just keeps getting bigger every year.
8: What started as Patriot Golf Day is now Patriot Golf Weekend over the Labor Day weekend. And each year, we've had either Dan Rooney or Ed Polito or somebody from the Folds of Honor talk to us about uh, the progress that they've made with that uh, foundation.
4: And that's how it all began on a fateful night, the story there from Major... Dan Rooney. We had Dave Loggins on the show Masters Sunday a few years back. He's the guy who sang Please Come to Boston, a big hit song back in the 1970s. He's also written uh, like 20 number one songs for other artists, Alabama, Toby Keith, Reba McIntyre, Winona, some of the folks who've recorded his stuff, Three Dog Night, recorded Pieces of April by Dave Loggins. He also wrote The Masters Theme, which you hear every year on CBS, and we had him on telling us the story of that. And toward the tail end of the interview, well, he had his guitar, and he sang the uh, master's theme. There are words to it. He sang it on the air with us. And then uh, when he finished that, towards the end of the interview, I said, since you got your guitar out, how about a little bit of Please Come to Boston? And he gave us a special version of the last verse of Please Come to Boston. While you got your guitar out, how about a little bit of Please Come to Boston?
13: Yeah, about to, we'll do the Denver verse.
8: Okay. That'll work.
4: Yeah. Okay,
13: we'll do one verse. Okay, ready? Okay. Please come to Denver with the snowfall. We'll move up into the mountains so far we can't be found. And throw I love you echoes down the canyon. And then lie awake at night Until they come back around Please come to Denver She said no Boy, won't you come home to me And she said to me rambling Boy, why don't you settle down Denver ain't kind of town there ain't no golden
4: there ain't nobody like me I'm the number one fan of the men at Green. <laughs> yeah the number one fan of the just men just don't get any better than Tee-de-green. that on live radio <laughs>
8: change the last
13: verse
4: for you and me Jerry and there's a little bit of the masters theme Dave Loggins, which you'll be hearing in just a couple of months. Taking us to the break, we'll be back on the other side with more.
11: You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five.
2: If you have 5,000, 10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis.
7: 800 Eight hundred nine five seven six zero six three. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063.
6: 64
4: it's the fastest hour in radio quickest hour in golf we've been saying that for about 10 years jay richie jerry booting off at the broadmoor celebrating 10 years of doing td green here at the broadmoor resort colorado springs colorado a quickie coming up right now as jerry's taking us on tour
8: yes there's live golf going on finally uh, pardon me the uh, Tournament of Champions uh, every year at Kapalua. You know, uh, after last year was a pretty good year of golf in the PGA Tour. Jordan Spieth, Jason Day, yeah. Ricky Fowler winning at the uh, uh, players, and, and Rory kind of sneaking in there around the injury. A lot of talk about, you know, how are things going to go this year? Are all these guys going to, you know, follow up and – do what they did well in Jordan Spieth's case so far the verdict is he's following up <laughs> he, yeah, he is big time he's at minus 24 at Kapalua uh five shots ahead of Brooks Kepka. Patrick Reed is 17 under and then Brant Snedeker and Fabian Gomez uh at 15 under so basically I'm thinking if he shoots anything in the 60s today that gets him to 28 under or better and Kepka would have to go 10-under again today, like he did yesterday, to catch him. So it looks like Jordan going to win this one to kick off 2016.
4: Picking up where he left off.
8: And then we got the Champions and Women's Tours coming up uh, before too long. They'll be back underway.
4: Hope you enjoyed our... 10-year retrospective. Over the next three Sundays here in the month of January, we're going to pick out some interviews for the last 10 years, too, and play those back as well, one per each show for the next three Sundays as we celebrate 10 years of tea to Green here at the Broadmoor, and hopefully we can get another 10
8: in. Well, I was going to say that, but I'm just hoping we get another 10 weeks in here, the way life goes nowadays. You just kind of... Yeah, let's look at the next 10 weeks and see what we do from there, whether Thanks. it be related to radio or anything else.
4: Thanks to the people at the Broadmoor as well. Yep. That's it. See you next week. Till then, hit them long, hit them straight.